We come into your presence this morning to celebrate your gift of life. To celebrate, Lord Almighty, all those that you have put in our lives as our mothers, as our aunts, as, Lord, our sisters, as our daughters, as our nieces, as our friends even, as our neighbors, Lord. We celebrate the gift of motherhood. We celebrate, O oh God Almighty, all that you have invested into our lives through, Lord, this wonderful, wonderful people. And, Lord, as we come together as a church, we, Lord, affirm and reaffirm that, Lord, male and female, you created them at the beginning. And today also, Lord, we see your creation. We see your power at work, and we thank you for it. And, Lord, as we come to worship, we surrender to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Spirit, take over. We pray this day that we will all, Lord Almighty, be transformed by the power of your presence, Lord, here in this place. Holy Spirit, you are the one who can take nothing and make something. Because there was nothing at creation. And when the Lord God spoke the Spirit of God over the face of the deep, creation began to happen. And so, Lord, we pray there will be a new creation in us, especially, Lord, in our knowledge of you, in our understanding of you, in our connection with you, that, Lord Almighty, there will be no disconnect this morning, that, Lord, we will all be connected to you, the source of all power, the source of all life. And so, Lord, we come also knowing that, Father, Lord, sometimes, yes, Father, we stray away from your will, from your presence, from your guidance. And, Lord, when we stray away, we find ourselves struggling. But, Lord, today we come back to you. We pray there will be restoration, Father, in spirit, in soul, and in body. The Father, that restoration will reconnect us to you. That restoration, Father, Lord, will come with forgiveness of sin as we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we know you are here. We surrender to you, Lord. Have your way and be magnified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Lovely. The beautiful Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, that talks about this wonderful woman. Proverbs 31, verses 10 and 11, and then we'll take 28 to 31. He said, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed, amen, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. You, ladies here in this church, you surpass them all, amen. Charm is deceitful, is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Hallelujah. Honor her for all that her hands have done. 
and let her words bring her praise at the city gate. So we will honor our moms and all those the Lord has put in our life this morning. Let's come to God now. Yes, as Joy uh, and the team lead us in our first set of songs as we worship God this morning. So today's reading is taken from Genesis um, chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting... Abraham into a deep sleep, and thick and dark, thank, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated for hundred, 400 years. But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphorites, the land of the Kenites, Kenzites, Kedamites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergeshites and Jebusites. Amen. Good morning. Um, yeah, I had fun going over these words with Sarah before the service. Uh, well done, Sarah. I'm sorry for putting this on you. One more opportunity to hear from you, to hear your word, to your children. One of us day at this time, that your word will break through into our hearts. Your word will bring transformation because your word is life. Thank you, Lord, because there is a message and there is a blessing for every one of us as we hear you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, the title of our message today is Parenting as a Form of Spiritual Warfare. I've also called it Parenting as a Vital Place of Spiritual Warfare. I don't like jokes that begin with a man or a woman goes into a restaurant. I don't know if there's anyone who likes it. And if you're like me and you don't quite like jokes that begin that way, you're free to roll your eyes. But I'm going to tell one nonetheless. So a man went into a restaurant and he was told, he saw a sign that said, whatever you want, your grandchildren will pay. And so he ate whatever he wanted. And when he was done, this huge bill was presented to him. And he laughed and said to the waiter, that sign over there, is it real? The waiter said, sure, it is real. And he said, well, you can keep that for my grandchildren. And um, the waiter said, oh, no, this is not your bill. It is your grandfather's bill. <laughs> so we're looking at what happens, how one generation affects the other. But today we're looking at that. Yeah, I think I'll probably use this because it comes and goes. Uh, hello? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So yeah, we are looking at Genesis chapter 15 and what happened with Abraham. He was still Abraham at this point. He hadn't become Abraham. When we look at the verse, the chapter preceding this one, we'll find that Abraham at the time was known, he was a successful warrior. We don't talk, uh, we don't say a lot about this part of Abraham, but he was a warrior. He was successful. But in 15, when the Lord made his promise from the, the beginning of um, chapter 15, he was not overjoyed at the Lord's promise because he had no children of his own. He had everything he needed. He, had, he, was, he was blessed with, um, with, with land and with, with, with um, a lot of wealth. He had just this one thing. I have no child of my own. And um, the promise of God seemed to be of little purpose for him because as far as he knew, all he had was going to be inherited by his servant. But the Lord told him that the future he was promising him would be secured by a child of his own, not the child that came through himself and Sarah's scheming later on. The Lord had a promise and the Lord told him, you had to go with me with this plan. Now, the end point was not just to make Abraham happy with a mini-me. You know, sometimes we want to have children, and it's, um, I just want to have children of my own. Sometimes the Lord has different plans. We are parents, and it's not always parents of children we have given birth to. With Abraham, there was a purpose. It wasn't just to give him a child of his own. It was for the glory of God, and this plan was going to be revealed, and salvation was going to be secured through Abraham's 
bloodline in a sense. But Abraham had qualities that set him apart. And we, can't, we need to look at the fact that there were other people. Abraham was not the only person who was um, around the place, even if the place was important to God. The person was important to God. The source of God bringing his promise to pass was important. Verse 6 of um, chapter 15 says that Abraham believed God and he was credited as righteousness. Note that that does not mean that Abraham was a perfect man. He had his imperfections. But Abraham had qualities that set him apart. He was an intercessor, meaning he was someone who was given to prayer about other people, not just his own needs. As we see in the story that came later about Sodom and Gomorrah and his, um, his, um, his nephew Lot, even in his unselfishness and forgiveness, when he and Lot, um, the, 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 their servants, quarreled over who had use of what land for looking after their animals, Abraham gave Lot first choice. He was unselfish. He said, you choose and then you can go um, to wherever you choose with your people. And yet, after that, Abraham was still looking out for Lot. So he was a man who had a forgiving and unselfish, a loving heart. He had hospitality. He entertained strangers. So God chose a man who could be trusted, a man who could raise men for himself. Parenting is important in God's plan. Now, Abraham's belief as we saw in verse 6, his belief in what God said to him, even when he did not have the, um, he, there, there was no evidence, if you like, about how this was going to come to pass. It says it was credited to him as righteousness. So the question is, how much do we believe God's promises? How much do we speak God's promises over our children? There is so much in the Bible, there's so much in the word of God about blessing the children. There are, there's so much we could say over our children. And we need to think about the fact that the words we speak over our children are powerful. They make a difference. It comes with believing God. If you don't believe, you are not likely to begin to speak these words because you feel that you're just making noise. But believing God and speaking words over our children because we believe is important. Now, from verse 4 to 7, this was where God began to speak to Abraham. And Abraham had God because he was in the place of receiving. Because he believed he could receive what the Lord was saying to him. Can we hear God above the noise that, that is all around us every day? could be really, really difficult to hear God. The noise of even your, 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 your present circumstances, it's enough sometimes what you're going through is enough to make you begin to doubt what you've heard, not believe what you're hearing, listen to other voices. No, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong unto the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. The secret things belong to God, 
He reveals things to us for our own action. If God reveals something to you like he did to Abraham, I am going to do this. It was for Abraham to act by faith. But you need to believe to receive the promise. Now, looking at what happened with Abraham, we can see that he was really at the root of what the Lord was going to do. Matthew, in um, Matthew's account of the gospel, shows us how, it be, you know, in talking about the generations leading up to the birth of Jesus, it began with, um, it showed that Jesus' lineage began with Abraham, and he named each of the fathers in 41 generations, ending in Matthew 1:16, which says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So we can see the descent, that what was happening with Abraham was with a bigger future purpose. It was important that the Lord chose somebody who could deliver by his faithfulness. Spiritual warfare is God using us to deal with things that are unseen. It's not about what we can see right here and now today. But the Lord needs us to be in the place where we are actually alert and aware and hearing him. God did not just randomly pick anyone. He selected Abraham for a reason. We need to talk to our children about God's promises as well. God's promises in their lives. It's not just about praying over them, praying for them. But it's important that our children realize that what we say to them, that they're not just precious in our eyes, that they're precious in God's eyes. That's what parenting is about. And it's not just about us and, and biological children. It's about the children that come our way. It's about teachers speaking to children. I'm sure many of us, if not everyone here, has encountered a story about a teacher whom a child says, this teacher was key to my turning my life around in this way or the other. Many teachers have done that in children's lives. It's about Sunday school teachers. We heard last Sunday from John Ellis about what it was like being part of the boys' brigade and the impact it made in lives. So God places us at, as parents one way or the other, and that's because we are part of his plan for the generations to come. Verse 9 and 10, Abraham prepared the sacrifice. So the Lord instructed him about what to do, what he needed him to do. He gave him instructions, and Abraham prepared the sacrifice according to instructions. You know, when you begin to read the Bible, and you start from Genesis, um, uh, uh, Exodus, you begin to read from the beginning, you see a lot of instruction. Genesis is full of so many specifics about how God wanted things to happen, how the sort of sacrifices, there were so many sacrifices for everything. It was important at that time that the children of Israel did, performed all of these sacrifices to be in right standing with God. And God delivered us from all that by the coming of Jesus, so we no longer have to do all of that. 
because the, the Lord has taken the place for us, so there is no need to kill lambs and goats and whatever because of our sins or whatever we're asking the Lord to do for us. However, the Lord still calls us to obedience. It's obedience to his word. It's obedience to what he says to us. Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part. The Lord has made us for his glory. Every part of us, every part of our being is important to God. Obedience is our sacrifice to God today, not the killing of animals, but just in following his word. If we go to the next verse, so verse 11 of, of the same chapter, we saw that Abraham waited. I'll just read what, what happened there to give us a full picture of what it was like. So he says, as a son, no, sorry, I'll read verse, yeah, that's verse 11. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. This was when Abraham was waiting. He had made the sacrifice and he was just waiting. And while he was waiting, birds of prey came to eat his sacrifice. The Lord had told him what to do. And you would think that the moment he had obeyed God, he would begin to see answers there and then. But that did not happen. But Abraham was waiting. He was still in the place of waiting. If he got, he could have gotten, you know, tired of this and said, Lord, I have done what you asked me to do. You're not coming down now. I'm going away. The beds of prayer would have come down and eaten the sacrifice. But Abraham waited. At the very beginning of this year, the Lord spoke to me through this place. And it hasn't, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Part, a, a verse of scripture that I haven't been able to let go of. That the point where you've done what you ought to do could be the point where you have to do your longest waiting. I have done all. Sometimes you're waiting on God to answer a prayer. Lord, I have done all. We've, we've, we, we've, um, we've been this year talking about seeds, the, the, the kinds of soil, the sowing of seeds. Here was Abraham, this was his seed. His seed which he had planted was, I have made this sacrifice. The beds of prayer were coming to eat the seeds of his harvest, which was receiving from the Lord what the Lord had asked, what he had, the Lord had promised him. But he had to wait. Now there is a casual phrase, you know, when you're excited, you're waiting for something, people say, I can't wait. I can't wait to go on holiday. I can't wait. You know, Nigerian Christian parents detest this casual phrase, I can't wait. Um, and they would think it's our responsibility to state, you can wait. I can't wait. Impatience. I know, children, we, we say that, we don't think about it. I can't wait. But we need to teach our children to wait. The place of impatience could be a place where a lot of harm happens. If we wait on the Lord, this is um, Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their, str their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know if any of you have seen some of these videos online where parents ask toddlers not to eat sweets until they return. You know, they just place these sweets and they go away and they are observing the children to see whether they obey them or not. This is a lot more than that. It's not just about, let me test your patience. Can we maintain our ground? Can we teach our children to not give in to every whim? Can we teach them about purity? That it is actually required by God and not an optional choice. Well, I won't say more about this and I'll leave you to answer that question for your children when you get home. But let's not fool ourselves. Our children are having a lot more discussions about things we will not discuss with them in the playground than we know about. Something happened when we were in Birmingham when, my, when our daughter Sharon was who's the youngest when she was in year five, primary five. They went on a school trip. It was a residential trip for her class. And they returned. She didn't tell me anything other than the, you know, all about the trip. But one day, a few days after, I got a call from one of the moms. And um, she asked me, did Sharon tell you that so-and-so thing happened during the school trip. Now she's another, they're another Christian family, so we know each other that way. And I said, no. She said, well, my daughter has just told me so-and-so thing. It was a terrible story. I'm not going to repeat it because another child was involved as well. And um, when she told me, she said, well, apparently the teachers knew this. Some other girl in the group did something and the other girls not only told her not to, they also reported it to the teachers at the trip. And um, this parent was angry because she thought that the school should have told, discussed it with all the other parents whose children were present when it happened. And so she said, I'm going to be seeing the head teacher tomorrow. And um, she did. The, the school did not deal with this issue very well because they were more about self-preservation. The result of it was that this parent took her child, her children, because she had another younger child, out of the school. But when she told me about it that night, I called Sharon and I said to her, did so-and-so happen? And she just began to cry and said, yes, it happened. Remember, she was not part of what happened. She was just one of those who observed it. She apparently was also one of the three girls who reported to the teacher, but she wouldn't talk to me. And I said to her, why didn't you tell me? And she said, mom, I don't like talking about these things. But you see the trouble there is that she talked about it with the other girls and they reported to a teacher. But because I was a parent who would not talk about these things, she wouldn't talk to me. Other children and the internet could be raising our children for us just because we choose not to talk about these things. The church should not be the last place to speak to our children because if they don't hear the truth from here, they will hear the lies from other places. 
Just talking again about verse 11. Abraham thought of the birds and he protected the seed of his harvest. And then he thought of the enemies of the promise. There will always be a battle for your sacrifice. Let's think about it. Today we are raising children in the house of God. Do we know how many musicians out there were raised in church who began as gospel artists? Just to speak of one, we know about Whitney Houston and her battle with drugs and alcohol. She began with singing in church. It's a spiritual battle, like it or not. The children we bring up here, we need to understand and remember and keep at it the fact that we are in a place where we have to battle for them, not just by bringing them here, but what happens after here and now, after church. Can we keep awake to fight for their spiritual growth? Can we stand for truth so that they don't get confused? Verse 11, uh, sorry, verse 12 now, it says that Abraham slept. After fighting of the breads of prayer, he was tired, he slept. And then there was deep darkness. This, um, this verse reminds me of a song. A song that says, you don't give your heart. Talking about God, you don't give your heart in pieces. You don't hide yourself to tease us. You don't give your heart in pieces. And you don't hide yourself to tease us. Those words make a lot of meaning to me because it's saying that when there is darkness and difficulties coming our way, it's not because, and when we can't hear God, it's not because he is playing hide and seek with us. It's life as a Christian is a constant spiritual battle. That's what it is. It's a constant spiritual battle. It's not about God wanting to hide from us. It's about the things that are constantly warring for our souls. And they war for our children too. You know, somebody, um, there, was, there is a book. I bought a book for Sharon in preparation for dentistry. And um, it was written by a Christian dentist. And um, he got involved in something which is still for me, I, I still can't understand his justification. It's somewhat funny, but it's serious as well. So he is, he, he's a retired dentist now. So he, he, he graduated in dentistry decades ago. When he began to practice, thank God for advancements in medicine. They did, there was a lot of, um, they didn't quite have the general anesthetics, um, sorry, the, the local anesthetics we use now. So dentistry was not quite, going to the dentist was a worse experience than it is today. So they were trying a lot of things to make it possible to undertake, you know, um, serious treatment and surgeries for dentistry. And one of the things he began to do following a course he attended in the University of Cambridge was to try hypnosis, to hypnotize the patients so that they are somewhere else and they are happy whilst he's drilling their teeth. And um, he said his Christian friends said to him, is this not wrong? Hypnosis, you are putting these people in danger of attacks 
by the devil and by demons. And he said to them, his response is why I'm, I'm mentioning this at all. He said to them, well, if they are not Christians, um, if they are Christians, there is no problem. They are protected by God when they are under hypnosis. And if they are not Christians, there is no problem either. They are with the devil anyway. It doesn't make any difference. But you see, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny and it's not at the same time. But it's, I'm just mentioning this because just thinking about the battle, the deep darkness. Sometimes we have these periods when things seem outside of our control. Abraham could not keep awake any longer, but God was with him. Because we see what happened in the deep darkness. But before I go to what happened, I also want to mention that we should not shield our children from difficulties. If we are experiencing difficulties, there is, I mean, you can't, you, you, you don't begin from when they are toddlers to, to let them know everything the family is going through every problem the family is going through. But as your children are getting older, as our children are getting older, we need to get them involved in getting to know what's happening, not just with us, but with relatives too. Because it helps them to build both resilience and compassion. It also helps them to understand about when we say no, why we can't get a new this or a new other thing why they can't have the newest, the latest technology for Christmas. Why, even beyond that, if we are praying about health situations, our children need to know about it so that when we have testimonies, they understand what God can do. But going then to um, the next couple of verses, 13 and 16, the Lord began to speak after the place of darkness. It's interesting that the Lord did not speak from the point of the sacrifice. So there was a sacrifice, then there were the beds of prey, and then there was deep darkness. All of these journeys before the Lord began to speak to Abraham. Psalm 119 verse um, 130 says, the entrance of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. George shared this verse when we were with um, the meeting on Thursday with Jan Hadley here. And frankly, it's funny because even talking about the deep darkness, I was saying to George, I think he's preaching my message. Deep darkness came and then the Lord began to speak. First Timothy 6.16 says that the Lord dwells in unapproachable light. It means that when the Lord began to speak, light came in, the darkness became any, nothing more than shadows. You know, no matter how deep darkness is, if you bring in the smallest light, a single candle, you bring light, you can see there's illumination, and then the darkness becomes more of shadows. The Lord's word comes in and minimizes the works of the enemy. And this is why the word of God is important in our battle for our children. We need to teach them to read these words for themselves and also to teach them the power in the word of God and to speak those words powerfully over them in prayer. Some Nigerian um, 
um, comedian here in the UK. He talked about his growing up. Honestly, George and I are not that bad, but he said his parents did not buy him toys. And when he was 10, he went to his mom and said, Mom, I'd like a toy. His mom said, you want a toy? Why? I want, to, I want something to play with. His mom went into her room and came, came out with a book, gave it to her, said, here's the Bible. Read that. Play with Jesus. <laughs> We're not that bad. But that's the extreme. However, our children seriously need to know the power in the word of God. The word of God drives away darkness. It brings strength. It, it is in itself something powerful that our children, if, you, if, if, if they take it in, if we consistently speak it over them, they will learn to also use the word of God when they're on their own, when things are difficult. You know, there was a child who was afraid of the dark, and um, the one, he left his scooter outside, and his mom said to him, go outside and bring the scooter in. And he says, mom, I'm afraid it's too dark out there. And he says, no, Jesus is with you. Go out there and get your scooter. And so this child goes to the door, opens it, and calls out, Jesus, I know you're out there. Could you hand me my scooter, please? It is not always pretty pictures, you see. But we'll see that God's word, when it came, it told Abraham about all the good things that were going to happen, but it also told him about slavery that was going to come to the children, to his descendants. They were going to be slaves. But he also then spoke of deliverance. There'll be slavery, but there'll be deliverance. They will own this land. They're going to fight for it. That's another story for another day because we know that a lot of things that came their way was due to their own disobedience. What Abraham did for his descendants was not going to protect them from their own acts of disobedience. Then in verse 17, the Lord accepted the sacrifice. There is more to come if we remain attentive and let the Lord finish. There is a lot more to come. We have spoke tonight. Is the posters are all over the, the pillars. Is it time to just come and sit in his presence? One hour, an hour and a half, just to say, Lord, I'm here. I want to hear you. I just want to be in your presence. Let's give the Lord a bit more time. In verse 18, he made the covenant. Let's not be in a hurry to leave God's presence. Without the covenant being secured, Abraham could have been like a person who went into an armory room, took the guns and left for war without ammunition. The covenant needed to be secured. He could have run with it and said, Lord, I'm okay. I've got those words and off I go. But the Lord needed him to hear all the words end to end. Let's be patient to hear God. He was receiving for his offspring whom he had not received yet. Let's not let, we need to let our children also be in that place. Let, let, let's not be content with a half-baked experience. The full word of God, all the way to receiving the Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to expose our children to more of God, the deeper things of God. Before George and I got married, um, we're talking about the fact that he had, he, was, he had become a minister of the Presbyterian Church. 
And um, we grew up in fellowships where everybody believed and understood that we did not baptize infants. I was strongly of that belief that people had to become adults or at least young people declaring their minds that they want to follow God and then you baptize them. George and I had a conversation about it because I was aware that the Presbyterian Church baptizes infants. And he said something to me. He said, when we baptize children, we are dedicating them to God. We are saying this one is set apart for God. It made meaning to me instantly because of my own family circumstances. It might not make meaning to anyone else, so I'm not, I'm not saying this so that you can change what your, whatever your position and belief is. But it's just so you understand the importance of covenants. When he said that to me, it made a difference. Something resonated with me because my parents were not Christians when, my, when we were born. All of us. And my brothers where each one of them dedicated to something other than God. And we saw the impact of this dedication in their lives growing up until we became Christians as a family, one after the other. And my, my brothers, the entire family, we went through a period of deliverance and they were delivered from the impact of this other thing to which they were dedicated. And when George said what he said to me, I remembered what happened with my family. And I said, these were innocent babies. They, were, they had no part in what happened with them. They, did not, they couldn't speak or think for themselves. They were babies. And yet it had an impact. How much more when I dedicate my child, baptize my child early in their lives, and I set them apart, is God able to protect them? If the devil could come for children who were innocent, is God not more powerful than he, than he is? So I'm just saying it's important how we start and we keep on with these children from the very start of their lives. So just to conclude this, I'll just mention something. I was in a, um, a training for my job, um, training for, it wasn't really a training, it was more like a well-being event for, um, for staff members in my office. And um, I was sitting next to some, a young lady, and um, through part of the training, we're each asked to talk about what we did, what gives you a buzz, what do you do, and you feel really happy and excited. And everyone was sharing. Some said it was cooking. I don't like cooking. But, um, and I said what was the truth, which is that what gives me a buzz is actually doing worship with my children. I don't know anything that makes me happier than that. And so, interestingly, I didn't know the young lady seated next to me is a Christian. And so, I realized as we had, because we had to share constantly through, it was a small, a small event, we had to share constantly, she began to speak up about the fact that she was a Christian. But at the end of the meeting, she asked me a question. She said, are you saying, there was something I said to her, I don't remember what it was now, but she said to me, are you saying that it does not matter what happened before in our lives? Are we free from past things in our lives when we declare 
that we are now children of God. And I said to her, we do become free when we intentionally break old covenants and then we move into a new and living one with God. But it just says the power of God's word and the power of speaking over our children. And we do need to be confident that when we have done this, the devil has no power over the children. But warfare is what we ought to do, spiritual warfare for our children and the young people around us. I'd like us to pray at this time, to pray about the words we've heard, and just to say, Lord, I may not always get it right. I may not always get it right. I might not always know the right thing to do at every point in my journey with you or regarding the children you've given me, whatever their ages may be, or the children you've brought around me of every age. But Lord, I just ask that you help me to have my ears open to hear you, to have my mind alert to receive from you, to be able to obey you, even though it might cost me sometimes. Lord, help me to be patient and wait so that you will dispel the darkness and your word will bring transformation in my life and in the lives of those you bring around me. Help me, Lord, not to go into battle without my ammunition, which is your word. Holy Spirit, help me to have the perseverance to be in that place, to receive your blessings, to receive your covenant with me, and to work in it continually. Thank you, Lord, because you're, you, you are loving and powerful. And as we bring all our children here today before you on this Mother's Day, this Murdering Sunday, we know by your grace that these are set apart for you. And we know there is greatness in them. And we know by your grace that they will live to grow and serve you as long as the Lord tarries. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen.